0: Hello, and welcome back to the Big Pivot Podcast. My name's Jim Malone with IDG, and I'll be hosting today's episode. Now, in a previous Big Pivot Podcast, we talked about the importance of trusted data in shifting organizational culture. Today, we'll discuss how trusted data is just as critical for your reputation with people outside of your organization, especially your customers. Joining me are two CIOs who have plenty to say on the topic. First up is Graham Thompson, SVP and CIO of Informatica, the world's leader in enterprise cloud data management. Welcome back, Graham. Great to have you.
1: Hi, thanks, Jim. Good to talk to you again.
0: Our special guest today is David Chow, VP and Chief Information and Digital Officer at Children's Mercy Kansas City, which is consistently ranked among the leading children's hospitals in the United States. Hello, David. Welcome. We're so glad you could join us.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be part of it and looking forward to the discussion.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a great one. So let's jump right in. First question, how do the concepts of trust, reliability, and security figure into different aspects of your business? And Graham, let's start with you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jim. So I think reliability has been a foundational IT objective forever. Um, It's not new. So I think we can skip that one for now, although I think it's important to note that security and reliability can go together and complement each other, Uh, it's hard for an IT product or service that's not secure to be reliable. Trust and security, though, have been what you could consider to be check-the-box items for many IT organizations in the past, but what I've seen from talking to peers is that some of the best organizations are proactively looking at trust as a differentiator, and they're looking at security as a way to reduce risk and be an enabler of innovation. At Informatica, we have a customer-facing trust website that shows our customers the state of our cloud services and also the certifications versus common standards that we hold ourselves to. And I think this is important for any, any cloud company. Security has been much more than a compliance item for us over the, the tenure of our last two CISOs. We believe at Informatica in a, in a risk-based approach. and the information security team works across lines of business and within IT, to ensure that risks are identified, understood, and mitigated. I believe that by doing this, it helps us succeed on traditional security metrics, but also allows the the business to to innovate responsibly.
0: David, as a healthcare executive, talk about trust, reliability, and security for you. What's your view there?
2: You know, security is one of these areas that probably does not allow any technology executive to sleep at night, especially in the healthcare vertical. So, you know, we definitely have to make sure that we have a secure platform and a trusted platform and ultimately also a reliable platform. Reliability in terms of accuracy, because in our line of business, we're taking care of kids' lives. And we also want to have reliable data for internal stakeholders. So when we're looking at the data, do we trust it? Do we make sure, do we understand that it's accurate? Are we able to make the right decisions based upon that both clinically and even from an operational perspective. So I would say all three concepts of trust, reliability, and security, they go hand in hand, and they are extremely important in our line of business, particularly in the healthcare field.
0: You know, when we talk about data, especially in terms of the trust, reliability, and security, we have to talk about governance as well. Graham, why is a strong data governance model such an important component of those concepts?
1: Yeah, so in, in my discussions with other CIOs, I hear more and more that data security and data privacy are top priorities. And I, I see a change where leading organizations are not relying on infrastructure security, specifically in the network, you know, the old way we used to do it, to protect the data. Now, I want to be careful. Sometimes people misunderstand. I'm, I'm not advocating that we stop protecting our infrastructure. We absolutely should, but we should stop pretending that by doing that, we're also – somehow protecting the data. To use data effectively as the asset that we all say that it is, we have to move it and use it across the enterprise. And to do that effectively and responsibly, we really have to manage it. And what does manage it mean? You know, it sounds obvious, but, you know, it's difficult to know all the data you have, where it's created, where it's used, who has access to it. And if you're going to really use data as a competitive differentiator or just to comply with new regulations that we're seeing, you need to be able to to do that. And I say this as a CIO of an enterprise software company. I'm sure for David, the bar is much higher.
2: Yes, definitely the healthcare field, especially when I talk to a lot of disparate organizations. I also see a lot of folks getting hung up on this data governance. I think we struggle with defining a definition for data, and I think that's extremely important. That's really a foundational element of any data governance model. So, for example, when I think about our main electronic medical record there's over 40,000 tables. And you have to be really explicit in terms of defining every data field and understanding the definition of it because people may have a different nomenclature that they're using to define the same word. So it's really critical to, to get that right. But the challenge that I have seen is a lot of folks get hung up on trying to perfect this data governance model where it really inhibits them from utilizing data to make decisions for the entire organization. They're so hung up by getting this governance model that they're not implementing solutions. So I, I, I struggle with this because this is where we have to find the right balance as leaders of the, the organization to where, yes, we do need data governance, but at the same time we also need solutions rolled out to the organization so that we could really become a data-driven company.
0: Yeah, David, that's interesting. It's almost like don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, and the good here is you want to be able to use that that data. So, David, if you can, talk a little bit about how you're using data to improve patient experiences, and how does that help you gain their trust? So,
2: you know, I mean, you probably have heard these stats where 90% of the world's data have been produced in the last two years, and that could definitely say in the healthcare vertical, specifically in the hospital and provider setting, that is definitely true. We're starting to see a huge influx of data from the vast majority of systems that we're implementing, but also patients are starting to bring their own data, right? When you think about the utilization of wearables, the data set that's coming in from outside the organization is also exploding. So we, we're we using those, we're trying to use those data to, to create a better experience. But when I think about two key examples of how we're using data, we have a unique program in the pharmacy area for medication because when you think about the dosage that we need to give to a child, it's a lot different than an adult study. You have to be extremely precise for pediatric dosage. So we developed a program to be able to accurately put together the right doses for specific drugs that are high risk for the kids because there's been that void in the adult side where the, all the attention, the formulary has been focused on adult setting, never on the kids. So we developed a tool set to do that, utilizing algorithms, utilizing the, the vast majority of data that we have in the organization. That's a, a good example, number one. Another example is we are also focusing on monitoring patients outside of the hospitals when we think about our mission and vision of providing the best care for the kids in our region, we have patients who are traveling over 100 miles just to see our specialists. So we need to figure out how to reach out to them. So, figuring, understanding remote patient care monitoring, utilizing those data sets, so that we could provide the right feedback for patients, so that they do not have to make, make a trip to Kansas City to our main campus. I think those are. That's an ex- another area that we're using data, and it's really helping streamline our operations.
1: Yeah, I think that's a much more impactful answer than you're going to get from any enterprise software company. Uh, it's amazing when you think about how the work that, that David's doing is directly impacting the, the healthcare care for kids. There's not a lot that's more important than that.
0: Graham, I want to circle back to a, an issue that David brought up a little bit ago, and that is the, the data governance question. How do you guard against a data governance approach that's not too restrictive and might actually inhibit your ability to deliver better customer experiences? Yeah, this is,
1: this is the same argument that we've had for years in uh, IT and across the company about standards versus agility. And every time you try to introduce a standard, whether it's an architectural standard for hardware or uh, some data governance, everyone throws their arms up and says it's going to get in the way of agility. And I I just don't have a strong personal opinion. I just don't buy that that argument. I've seen enough working for different technology companies that standards can actually enable agility. They don't inhibit it. So you think about a large technology company that might do a lot of M&A activity. After you do the M&A, you have to integrate it. And if you've got 15 different ways to execute one business process, you're going to spend as much time debating which end-state business model to go to than you will actually getting there. So if you've only got one way to do something, if you've got a strong standard, then it's much easier to change that one way and it's much easier to integrate into it. The same thing applies for data governance so long as the data governance function is set up to be an enabler and an offensive position rather than a defensive strategy or just a compliance thing. And if it's set up that way with proper data governance processes, policies, and technology capabilities, then um, you can really have it be positioned as an enabler instead of it being positioned as a control function. And then you can apply those controls in order to make sure the data is used effectively where it's most profitable or or useful. And if you have that standard in place, then you don't have to do these unnatural acts to onboard a, a new data source or discover one at a time what the access protocol should be for a new data source. Uh, If you have that governance in place, you can do it much more more quickly. So I think if a company can see data governance as an enabler and invest in data security, including masking-type technologies, data cataloging, governance, business terms, and definitions of the data that David talked about before, then you can actually go faster and deliver value much more quickly. So I think the key is to position it as an enabler, to really believe that it's an enabler, and not treat it as a control function that's in the way of innovation.
2: Yeah, that's a really good approach to think about it. What pops into my mind is you have a lot of organizations that may not have the luxury of time to create this model of data governance. So what happens is, or there's a lot of disagreements with the type of data governance, and then what happens is the various departments or users, they have access to data, then they start utilizing the data, and then we lose out on the data governance approach of having some sort of uh, formalized process in place. How have you seen other organizations tackle that? I think that's the that's area where I struggle with personally. I would love to hear some use cases
1: to where other organizations have been able to solve that challenge. Yeah, I mean, the, some of the easiest examples are where a company has been able to use analytics in order to generate insights that then generate an action creates a business outcome that they weren't able to do before. So one of my favorite examples is a, a bank in the Nordics who are a, a customer of our Intelligent Data lake product, and what they've been able to do is convince the other lines of business within the within the bank that if they can have access to just a small portion of data, I think they took 90 days' worth of mortgage data, and they were able to predict which customers were going to churn, and then set up a capability where you could take a proactive action to reach out to those customers who were identified as being likely to churn to prevent them churning. So they were able to show that if they had control over the data and they had agreement on the business terms around the data and they made that available to functions that maybe didn't necessarily have access to or ownership of that data in the old way, then they were able to generate an outcome that was very profitable for for the bank rather than having that data. Held hostage within the application that it was created in, or within the business function who, quote, owned the, uh, owned the data. So finding and finding a good example and then using that as the tip of the spear to drive this overall agenda, I think is I think is key.
2: Yeah, that's a very good approach. Where you're trying to just solve a problem and show how you have been successful, and then take that approach. So good advice, well taken.
0: Another dimension that we need to talk about when we talk about data is, of course, data quality. And uh, David, what steps have you taken across your organization to improve the quality of your data? I know it's a big question, but let's let's at least take a stab at it.
2: Yeah, so when I think about quality, I also think about accuracy. A lot of times when I, I'll use the financial data example, a lot of times when we ran certain financial metrics or even financial reports, we have a different outcome. And it's not because the quality of the data is bad. It comes down to the timing of the data that's being ran and the point in time. So, you know, when I think about defining the quality, it's also important to determine the accuracy and really look at the process of how you, for example, in the case of a report, what time are you running this report? Because it must be ran exactly the same time for you to get an accurate number. That's consistent with everything else. So those are some of the small things that we have learned about that we must achieve in order to preserve that quality of data so that the organization are believers in terms of the data that's being presented.
1: Yeah, so, David, it was interesting that you brought up accuracy as well as quality. And I think that for all of us as CIOs, the fact that we're not just doing analytics on the data, we're actually taking action on the data, and there's a lot of automation based on the data the stakes are definitely raised as far as accuracy is concerned. You know, we see our customers, there's, there's a couple of customers in the logistics space where they are doing route optimization and some automation of uh, delivery. And in order to do that, you need to know that 100% of the addresses on the packages are accurate and deliverable so that the the route can really be optimized and, and some delivery can be, can be aut- automated so by... By using data to either initiate or automate the next action, it's really raised the uh, it's really raised the stakes for us as far as quality and accuracy is concerned.
0: Graham, what other takeaways would you offer to CIOs looking to improve their approach to data governance?
1: Yeah, so from talking to many CIOs and, and others uh, in our customer base, there's a few things that always stand out. The first one is this is not a one-off project; it's a way of doing business. So while it's important to have a bold goal in mind uh, and think big, it's only practical to start small and make some quick progress with early wins and demonstrate value. You'll learn a ton and uh, you'll build the confidence for the organization by taking this approach and by building confidence with the delivery side and the business stakeholder side. And by um, starting small, having some early value, you'll build the confidence that the company can actually succeed. And then pick some important business initiatives and apply your data governance practices to that. So for many of our customers, it's getting closer to their customer with a customer 360 type of approach. It might be organizing product data across business units or distribution channels, or it might be moving to the cloud or an analytics project. And then pick one thing like cataloging business data governance or data quality and apply it and then show the connection between applying those good data governance practices and the superior business outcomes that you're able to, to demonstrate. So it would be don't treat it as a project. Think big, but start small, and then tie it to an important business outcome and demonstrate that value.
0: And, David, your data governance takeaways for your peers, what would you say?
2: So my takeaway for my fellow peers in terms of their approach to data governance would be do not strive for a perfection. Your goal should be to roll out a solution, and that means a solution that's going to help the end users get access to data, number one, and number two, help them be be more efficient. Too often I have seen organizations and even peers of mine create this data governance model and becomes a sort of a centralized funnel where decisions have to be made and where access even has to be granted rather than than take the other approach of liberating the data. So my approach has been to allow people to have access to data, allow them to make those decisions, because if we try too hard to create this governance, what happens is people are going to go around this governance and create a solution themselves. So that's been my approach, and that, that would be my takeaway for my peers when, when thinking about this data governance is really just focus on creating a solution and then work your way backwards as far as what is that perfect governance model that you're trying to get to, or you you may never get to it.
0: Excellent. David and Graham, this has been a great discussion. In a world where more and more customer interactions take place digitally, we've learned a lot today about why a smart approach to data governance is critical to building trust with customers in order to win their business. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into today's episode. Catch all the Big Pivot episodes with Graham and other special guests by subscribing to the IDG Tech Talk channel on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And for IDG and Informatica, this is Jim Malone saying thanks for listening.